Only 16% of people in the state of California can afford to buy a home. We're going to talk about that and all the implications that come with that staggering statistics today on the left wing. My name is Desmond Price, host of the Independent Thought Podcast. I'm here today with my co-host, Dr. Erica from Cocktails and Capitalism, my other co-host, TJ Whitehead from Powers Taken, Not Given, and our special guest for this week, CJ from Vanguardian. We have this... Let's call it. This is a depressing article here. This is out of Fortune. I'm going to put this up on the screen. It says that California homes are so pricey that only 16% of the state's residents can afford to buy one, and it's only getting worse. And here's a quote from the article. It says, for an existing single-family home in California, the median price is $830,000. Buyers in the second quarter needed a minimum annual income of $208,000 just to qualify for a 30-year mortgage. And that's after a 20% down payment, you know, again, 200 grand. Uh, so loans on condos and townhouses also were, you know, required a minimum income of $160,000. So the housing crisis in California is probably worse than it is anywhere else in America, but it, it's it's having effects on everywhere else in America. If you live anywhere out West, the one thing that you do know is that a lot of people who can't live in California end up moving other places. We're seeing the migration happening in states like Nevada. You're seeing Boise, Idaho. Their housing market is spiking. In the state of Montana, where I live, the housing prices are spiking because people leaving California to come here. In Austin, Texas, their housing market is going out of control for this exact reason. So the housing crisis is essentially spilling over into the entire country, which is also imploding with a homelessness crisis that is happening all over the country. And so as we are seeing this rise in homelessness, this rise in unaffordability for housing all around the country, the, the question really is, is like, when is this all going to end? Is it all going to end? We are seeing people being pushed into apartments for the most part, in some cases, permanently because they cannot afford to buy a home. So you're having people at the mercy of landlords around the country who never know when they're going to jack up their rent. And if they do, they also may become homeless because they just can't afford the new increased rent when you're having somebody else dictate your housing price every single month. Now, for me, this is, as I mentioned to y'all before we started recording, this is like my number one issue in my life. In the city that I live in, in Missoula, Montana, there is a less than 1% vacancy rate in this city. Yeah. It is the number one issue for so many people who I know here in the other college town, Bozeman, Montana, they have a similar vacancy rate. And the average home price in Bozeman, Montana is $800,000. It is not a luxurious place. Most of these people don't make anywhere close to that. Some people I know in Bozeman spend 70% of their monthly income on their rent. It is unsustainable, but... I don't feel like the politicians in this country on any level, federal, state, or local, are truly addressing this issue to the rate that it needs to be addressed. When you guys hear this story, what is the first thing that comes to mind when you hear about you know what's happening in California and I guess the spillover effect that it's having everywhere else in the country with the housing crisis? Yeah, uh, the first thing that came to mind, like you said, was unsustainable. That's literally where I put my notes, that how unsustainable this uh, system is. And the first thing that comes to mind for me is uh, something happened to me three years ago. 
uh, I was still in the army at that time. And my brother, my, my sister and my brother-in-law live in San Diego and they're both doctors. Uh, my sister is an audiologist and my brother-in-law is like a, you know, general practitioner, family doctor. And I remember them asking me like, Hey, TJ, would you mind looking to see if you can use your GI bill to buy a house out here <laughs> that we can rent from you because they couldn't afford wow. a house out there, two doctors. Oh and so I said, yeah, I'll look into it. Uh, I couldn't do it because uh, you have to actually live where you buy the house for the GI bill to work. They wouldn't let me do it. But uh, I also, I was looking at the stats for this uh, before we came on the show today. And I saw that um, for millennials, uh, people between like, it was like 28 and 42 or something like that. Um, most of them, like 60% did not have a house. And I saw it was like on Zillow or something like that. It said 65% of millennials have are not saving towards a down payment for the house. And yeah. what was written in the article, I took a picture of it because I, I couldn't believe what I actually saw. It says, and I quote, uh, 63% of millennials haven't saved for a down payment on a home. This final statistic begs an interesting question. Why aren't more millennials saving for a down payment? And I, I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? And it's like, I, nationwide, like nationwide. Who writes these articles? Who writes this? That's exactly what I thought. So this could only come from a rich person because yeah. let's say, let's say they're like, you're, I don't know what the average cost of a home is. Let's say 400 grand. Let's put it 400 grand, like a reasonable, like a house or something like that. Yeah. If you got to pay. Average. Yeah. It is. Oh man. Yeah. Damn. I'm good. God damn. I'm good. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I remember when I was trying to buy a house that they wanted a 20% down payment and with the GI bill, he had a 2%, but I looked up the national average for down payment is only 6%, which is way lower than I thought. But even so, even at 6%, that's $25,000 just for the down payment. Yeah. Who the fuck has 25 grand just sitting around? And if you want to buy a house, how long is it going to take you to save that up? Why bother saving for the down payment? So yeah, like uh, this entire system is falling apart and is collapsing. And we have, you know, I'm sure I don't want to steal thunder from you guys going to bring it up, but large corporations, uh, you know, buying up housing to rent, that's only going to raise the prices even more. So yeah, it's uh, it's another sad one too, but that's, that's the first thing I have that thought of is like how horrible this entire thing is just collapsing all around us is. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the first thing I thought of was just um, how easily this could happen to me, how easily this could happen to my friends. Uh, you know, all of my millennial friends, none of us are, are saving money to buy a home, <laughs> you know, just like that <laughs> statistic says. Yeah. Um, and and I know after doing a long episode where I talked with different homeless folks in California, like so many of them are literally, you know, working two jobs. They're they're nurses. They are people with good fucking jobs that people that they were always told you're going to be able to support yourself. You're going to be able to support a family on this. Um, and no, they can't even afford a place to live. They're living out of their cars. They're living mm -hmm. on friends' couches. It's yeah. That you know, how long can we just squeeze those people into extra spaces? And when is it just like we have too many people on the streets and like we have to desperately do something about it? I mean, all those people just get swept up by you know the 
prison industrial complex um getting uh because everything that they do when you're when you don't have a home is basically criminalized um so yeah it's just a really bleak situation that i feel like you know two mistakes two accidents and i could be right there you know homeless on the street (laughs) yep yeah, that, that was also my first reaction is that this is what happens when housing is treated as an investment opportunity and not a human right. Um, I I don't know if this is what you were referencing, but they just came out with the largest study done in the past couple of decades on homelessness in California. Um, I thought it was so funny because all the headlines were like, turns out housing is too expensive, <laughs> which is like, right? Who writes like these, these articles? People- <laughs> 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 Maybe one guy who's very busy. Like, <laughs> um, but I feel like people find all these reasons to blame homeless people and talk about like mental illness and, and addiction. Um, and they kind of bring up those points as like the causes of homelessness and not the natural results um, of being in a, a horrific situation like that. Right. Um, and I know in California, like it, it's been challenging because I know it's like very hard to build new housing. Um, I have a friend who's an architect and they were talking about how in San Francisco, like you can design a house, but then if the city doesn't like the aesthetics of the outside, like you have to like completely start from scratch and like redesign it from the beginning. Like yeah. There's all these barriers that are up that are completely unnecessary. And also there's really no incentive for people who want to develop new properties to develop properties that are accessible to low-income people um, and working class people. So there's new housing being built, but a lot of that is for people who already have a lot of money. Um, and then also there's a lot of affordable housing in California that's also being occupied by people who could afford to live elsewhere. Um, so I live in a cooperative house. It's kind of like in between having roommates and being in a cult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always a very big advocate for it because I think it's a, a really like beautiful way to live. It's like in an intentional community. But um, I had, uh, I was living in affordable housing in the Mission, which is a, a neighborhood in San Francisco where again, housing is really expensive. And one of my roommates um, works at Google and was making, I'm sure like half a million dollars a year. And I think owned housing elsewhere in San Francisco, but like was living in this area that would have been accessible to people who were, who had a lot fewer options than he did. Um, I don't know. I think it's really challenging. Um, I think that I'm surprised that the U S doesn't have like a, not surprised, I guess, but I wish that we had like a universal housing voucher or something like some kind of program. But like you said, it seems like the government's just like not really interested in addressing that. No. And you know, I, I think a lot of times when we're, you know, people who are on the left, you know, it's really quick to maybe like go after Republicans for an issue like this, like, Oh, they just don't care about people. So on and so forth. I live in a liberal city and the other city that I mentioned before, Bozeman, Montana, also very liberal city, the two most liberal places in this red state, they are very blue and our, like how we treat the housing crisis here is a joke. It's an absolute joke. I mean, over in Bozeman, particularly, we are going to be having someone come on the show here not too long from now who's running for mayor of the city. And he was informing me that the current city policy is to find people every five days if they're in one spot. So if you're camping in one spot or you have a car that you have parked in one spot or an RV, what have you, if you don't move every five days, $100 ticket. That's the current policy in a liberal city. Like It is unbelievable to me, the detachment, the lack of humanity that we see when it comes from this issue and how so many people don't seem to see the correlation between how we are just permanently putting people into these 
high price rentals and how the, and the housing instability. And this is something I want to mention briefly about what we talk about with our climate conversation. People talking about their individual like, you know, footprint. One of the conversations I hear here is that, you know, we can't build some of these like uh, some of these housings that we want to build because we have to be you know, we got to think about climate change. And so we can't build all the new housing that we want to because we have to think about the climate. You know, at the same time, these are also the same people who will constantly say things like, oh, well, you know, I mean, there's only like a hundred, there's like a hundred corporations in the world who, you know, are responsible for 70% of the emissions. And I'm just like, okay, so are you trying to say that we need to be thinking about our carbon footprint? Or are you trying to say that we shouldn't be thinking about our carbon footprint? Because on you can't really have it both ways when you say statements like that. You know, mm. for me, I think of the fact that when we're talking about a time of like massive wealth inequality, the number one thing that helps you build any form of wealth is owning your home. And when I hear people on the left constantly advocating for a permanent rental class, it makes me just livid. You know, I don't think that it's sustainable to have just like nothing but apartments being built everywhere, nothing but, you know, just like these townhouses being built everywhere that it just like are just rentals because we need to be able to own your own home. I, I think a part of housing being a human right should also be that you own your home. And I don't see enough of an emphasis on that. And it really is disturbing to me. I don't understand why so many people are just fixated on the idea of essentially putting people into apartments for forever. If you want to live in an apartment, that should be your option, but it shouldn't be forced upon people. And that feels like the only real solution that anyone seems to have anymore. Build more apartments. Can't be the only Ooh. option that we have on the table. I I hadn't heard uh, like the permanent rental class because that, that sounds terrible. That, that yeah. sounds awful. That's, 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 yeah. What you mentioned about uh, how your city is dealing with uh, homelessness is that uh, basically criminalizing it like if yeah. you're homeless we're fine you for it which is which is exactly what republicans do like there's no yeah this is like there's we talk about how like, there's a uh, very little difference between uh republicans and democrats when it comes to like actual broad climate change uh the same goes for foreign policy there's not a lot of difference there and the same goes for homelessness because when you when you hear you guys uh, cg you live in san francisco you said mm -hmm. I've, so I hear a lot of people talking about San Francisco and when they mention the homelessness population there, San Diego has a rather large homeless population too. And when people talk about the problem of homelessness, the problem is always that they have to see it. Like, yeah. I can't believe I have to see people who uh, haven't showered and who are defecating in the street and they lift all this bad stuff these people are going through. But the focus of their argument, the crux of the entire issue is that they walk outside and they see it. It's not about actually how to fix the homelessness yeah. issue. It's how can I get them away from me so I don't have to acknowledge that this is actually going on. That's that's kind yeah. of the real sad part that I see. Yeah, actually, to piggyback right off that, I know people in my own life, people who I know who are on the left, who are constantly saying things like, well... I just don't want to see it when I'm going out to the park. It's yep. getting out of control. I mean, I'm seeing these people all over the place. There's trash everywhere. And then they're also in my city of Missoula, they are constantly having these sweeps where the police just come in and they just sweep out these entire encampments. I'm like, okay, where are they supposed to go? Like where? Cause like they're, they're still homeless. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you haven't changed that. So like, where are they supposed to go? There, there's no answer for that. It's just like, it's just dumbfounded. Like, oh, why would you even ask that question? Yeah, you, know you mentioned that a lot of people are like hesitant to build housing because of the environmental impact. But I always thought that that was like a crazy thing to think because high density housing is like 
good for the environment. Mm-hmm. Like it's better for the environment than like living in a suburb where everything's really spread out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Anyway, sorry, what were you saying? Oh, no, I th- that's such a good point. And that's one of the points that was made in this article that was really, really incredible called The Housing Theory of Everything. Um, I forget the names of the folks who wrote the article, but it really tied in how actually building more housing can reduce like emissions if it's done right. Um, it, they t- tied it to like, uh, you know, building generational wealth. They tied it to uh, COVID spread. They tied it to all of these things and basically argued that we need to be building more affordable housing. That would change so much of our society, just like from that basic level, everything else would be affected. Um, so I really highly recommend that folks go read that. Um, and I did want to just kind of, um, you know, TJ kind of uh, made reference to this, but the 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 role of disaster capitalism in making it so that we can't afford homes. I mean, when the with the 2008 crisis, Companies like Blackstone uh, seized upon the the economic turmoil to just buy up all of the houses they possibly could and then yep. rent it back to us. So, yeah. um, and that is, you know, we're seeing this right now in Maui, folks going, uh, co- companies going over there trying to buy up the houses. So, um, yeah, this is this is how capitalism works. And if we don't, um, you know, try to uh, keep that in check somehow it's they're going to own everything and we are just going to be that perpetual renting class like you were saying yeah you'll own nothing and like it i mean that is essentially <laughs> the the future that we're all going towards but you know the one of the last things i want to say here is that this issue is you know my number one issue in my life you know i am a renter i can't afford to buy a home in the city that i live in and the housing prices here have tripled in the last several years they went from very like there was no question I was going to be able to afford a home to now there's no question that I cannot. And it is absolutely soul crushing because now I'm put in a situation where do I want to be a permanent renter or do I want to move the only city that I've ever essentially liked living in? Mm -hmm. And that's a dilemma that I have to face. And it's a dilemma that a lot of people have to face. A lot of people who I know who've lived in this community have left this community because they couldn't afford to stay here. There's so many people who that is their story. And I'm sure it's not a story unique to where I'm at. You know, I'm sure this is a story that's happening all over the country right now. People just being displaced time and time again. And we we need more of a response here. I Anytime that I have a politician come on and talk with me, I always ask them the question, like, what are you going to do about the housing crisis? Because you cannot afford to care about any other issue if you cannot afford to be in your own home. 